0: Stay tuned for additional important disclosure information at the end of this episode.
1: What's the role of a financial advisor? Go ahead. Think of an answer. I'll wait. Okay. Time's up. Did your response include the role of behavioral coach? My guest today thinks it should. In fact, behavioral coaching may be central to an advisor's role, more important than some traditional roles like, say, building investment portfolios. This is Simple But Not Easy, a podcast about investing and behavioral science by Morningstar Investment Management. I'm Drew Carter. Joining me today is Ryan Murphy, Head of Decision Science at Morningstar Investment Management. Ryan, thanks for being here. Hey, Drew, good to be here. Ryan, what do people look for when they seek financial
2: advice? Right. So this was an interesting question. We were kicking this around and thinking of different ways in which we could measure this. And so we looked at the literature and different studies had been done before. Lots of different answers existed out there. And so we, we called from those different studies, both from industry and from academia, things that people were interested in why they might seek financial advice. And we put all these attributes together and then we went and asked people and we asked them to rank them. Here's lots of attributes. For example, when you hire an advisor, you're looking for someone who's approachable and easy to talk to or for someone who has relevant skills and knowledge or good reputation. These are all different attributes that an advisor might have. What's the most important? So rather than just ask people to rate these things on a scale of one to five, because conceivably someone would say, well, I like all of these things, we force them to rank them. And that tells you the relative importance of these. And then from that, we got some results that give us some insight into what people are looking for when they hire a financial advisor.
1: And what were some of the top things that uh, investors are
2: looking for an advisor. top thing that comes out is people are looking for an advisor to help them reach their financial goals. We thought that was great to see because this is consistent with our view of what makes for good financial advice and the whole reason that people become investors in the first place. They have some sort of financial goal, they're willing to put aside resources, uh, willing to embrace uncertainty, all in an effort to try and achieve that goal. That's great and that makes a lot of sense to us. Next on the list was that people were looking for someone who has relevant skills and knowledge. That's very sensible. People are hiring the expertise. You want to make sure they know what they're doing. Absolutely. And people are also looking for good communication. People, uh, financial advisors, who communicate and explain financial concepts well. The next on the list, and this was a head-scratcher for us, was that people said that they were looking for an advisor who could help them maximize their returns. Right. That's uh,
1: it was a head-scratcher, but it, to me, it seems kind of intuitive. It seems like people for a long time would go to a financial advisor to help you make make better decisions and therefore... To have
2: greater returns? Greater returns, maybe, but maximize returns? I, I think what makes it hard to wrap my brain around for this is that you have helped me reach my financial goals and maximize my returns. That, that people, investors, are saying that both of these things are what they're trying to do. And I don't think you get both at the same time. Sure. So a financial plan could be really great for a person. It could help them reach their financial goals, and it would purposefully be designed not to try and maximize returns. It's not going to have full equity exposure. It might be starting to dial down the risk exposure because that's actually what will help serve a person's goals. I think a little bit of this is that people were parroting what does it mean to be successfully invested, and part of that is great returns. And I think that it's worth highlighting the difference between portfolios that can help people achieve their financial goals In portfolios that are designed to maximize returns, because those two things can be very different.
1: For me, I think the issue of maximizing returns, and when sort of that light bulb went on that this wasn't the reason that a person should invest, was when I was a reporter, I was covering uh, pension funds and other large institutional investors, and they were getting into something called liability-driven investing, which is essentially you know, trying to match the risk of the investment portfolio with the sort of uh, liability profile of of the, the pension fund. And, you know, once those things are matched, they just, you know, start to lock it down so that they don't have to take more risk than is needed to essentially pay the liabilities because a company you know coca-cola for example or 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 you know any any corporation here or, or in any other country is not really in the business of investing in order to meet its pension liabilities it's really more sort of the sideline benefit that they offer their employees so so yeah it, it does make a lot of sense to to get away from that kind of thinking of maximizing return and, and really keeping at the forefront uh, what it is that you're trying to invest for.
2: Yep. And the other thing to point out is that portfolios that would try to maximize returns would have a lot of volatility in them. And that could be something that people don't have the stomach for, especially if there's, you know, markets start to take a downturn. And moreover, that kind of volatility can induce them to maybe go to cash, to cash out. And that could be a far worse situation than if they had a portfolio that from the beginning had less volatility in it and was still on target for their goals.
1: I think it's funny, too, because, you know, savings, we've talked about how important savings is compared to investing. And and certainly you don't see a lot of, you know, savings maximizers out there. You don't see people who, you know, they they skip a cup of coffee and then take the three dollars and fourteen cents or whatever and put it right in their their savings account or their, you know, retirement account or something. So they're not they're not really maximizing savings, but yet it comes to investing and oh oh yeah I'm going to be a
2: right. An if a person doesn't maximizer. save enough, there's no asset allocation that's going to get them where they want to go. So say, contribution savings this is the primary driver of people being able to reach their goals. Asset allocation is a part of that puzzle, but first and foremost is people saving enough.
1: So what else was notable on the list of the things that investors were identifying as what they wanted from
2: advisors? What stood out to me was what came in last place on that list. And so the attribute we listed was an advisor who helps people stay in control of their emotions. And this was ranked last. And it wasn't just by a little bit. It was in way, way last place. And this is one of the primary benefits. This is part of behavioral coaching. And this is one of the great sources of value that a financial advisor can give to a potential client. And this is soundly what people are not looking for, nor seem to be interested in.
1: And in your study, Ryan, you also talked to advisors. You asked them to rank these, these same attributes similarly, right? And what, what did you find there?
2: Exactly. So we took the same set of attributes and we asked advisors, not what advisors think is important, but we asked advisors, what do you think investors think is important? And so now we have these two sets. And if, if advisors know their clients perfectly, if they know this market perfectly well, then these things should line up and correlate with each other exactly. Um, But that's not exactly what we find. There's a little bit of a mismatch. And there's some interesting points where there's not perfect and clear alignment.
1: So what were some of the top things that
2: advisors thought investors were looking for? Well, goals came out near the top. Much like for
1: investors, so so there was some alignment there.
2: There's clear alignment there. So advisors think their investors are looking for someone to help them reach their goals, and this is great. That lines up with our view of goal-centric financial planning and goal-centric investing. Next for advisors, they anticipated that clients would be interested in someone who understands them and their unique needs. So this would be like personalization. So this was anticipated by advisors to be at the very top. And when you actually look at what investors were seeking, it was kind of middle of the pack. And so there was a clear mismatch there. I think part of that is people are not appreciating the value of personalization that financial planning can offer, that a financial planner can start to understand what a client's goals are, help them articulate and identify those, and then make sure that the portfolio they have and the investment profile they have fits something that's actually going to bring them to what they're trying to achieve, gets them to their goals.
1: Let me ask you something about the study itself. The investors you talked to, Did they already have an advisor
2: or were they looking for an advisor or was it across the board? It was across the board. So we looked at that as a covariate and didn't seem to make much of a difference between the two. But most of the people here we're talking about, all these people are investors. So they're somehow in the market.
1: Okay. And what else on that list for advisor expectations stood out?
2: Well, that one that we were talking about before is can help me maximize my returns. So this Mm -hmm. was ranked fourth by investors and it was ranked near the bottom by advisors. So I think advisors rightfully understand that there's a big difference between portfolios that serve people's goals and portfolios that help clients maximize their returns. That These are just different things. But there's a mismatch in the sense that their clients are not thinking about it in the same way. So I think this is a little bit of a call for advisors to maybe have this perhaps unpleasant conversation at the beginning of the relationship, which is, look, there's a difference between maximizing returns and a goal-serving portfolio. And so if we develop a portfolio to serve your goals, you can't be evaluating how good it is based on benchmarks, because that's just the wrong metric. So I think that's worth surfacing up front before there could be heartache where a client comes back and says, hey, this portfolio isn't maximizing returns, and the advisor says, well, that's not what we were trying to do from the beginning.
1: Any other mismatches here that stood out?
2: Well, advisors also, like the attribute of helps me stay in control of my emotions was ranked middle to low by advisors. And so advisors rightfully predicted that this is not very popular with investors. But I think that this is a misunderstanding of the value of behavioral coaching. So when you look at what other studies have done along these lines, looked at how behavioral coaching can add to the overall returns of a portfolio of a client's accumulation of wealth, it's one of the most powerful forces in helping people build up resources. So there's studies from Vanguard, studies from Morningstar has done this, uh, other uh, sources. And this is the gamma them. research by exactly, David, Blanchett, by David Blanchett, or Blanchett and others looking at the power of behavioral coaching. And this shows repeatedly that this is one of the major drivers of value that comes out of the investing relationship there.
1: Can we spell out what we mean by behavioral coaching?
2: So I think the the major features of behavioral coaching that would be worth highlighting would be first verifying that the person's contributions are consistent and sufficient to get them to their financial goals. And I think that that is a persistent thing. The contributions have to continue. Savings rate has to be sufficient. And the other is that a person has to stay the course in terms of their asset allocation, And this means being able to ride out the volatility that's implicit in markets, especially when times get bad. Sometimes people are tempted to fiddle with their portfolios or their asset allocation or maybe even go to cash. And the evidence clearly shows that people are not good at timing markets. And these kinds of interventions tend to make things worse for investors. Behavioral coaching is... Somewhat dicey, right?
1: For for an advisor, uh, you know, I just heard Michael Kitsis on a, uh, a on our sister podcast, The Long View, with uh, Christine Benz and Jeff Patak. And you know, Kitsis is a, a well known blogger and podcast host, and he's a partner at Pinnacle Advisory Group, among many other things. And, and anyway, he said on The Long View that you know behavioral science is perhaps not very useful to advisors because you know, yeah, you can identify these biases and shortcomings in clients. But what does that really get you? You can't, you know, show these shortcomings in them, and that doesn't strengthen the relationship at all. It just makes them feel silly, like, they, yeah. like they're the ones making the mistakes. Well, it's,
2: it's a hard place to start the relationship, right? And you sit down, look at the client, and say, you know, you know you're not rational. In fact, I'm not even sure you're going to be able to understand the nuances of what I talked to you about here next, right? And, and we know, and the literature is very clear, people don't think about things in a perfectly rational way. But I think the trick is not to try and teach them to be rational, or to try and incentivize them to be perfectly rational. I think it is to try and understand what kind of mistakes they tend to make and then start to think about how we can structure decisions that can help flawed decision makers, imperfect decision makers, which we all are, make better decisions. And so, yes, we know people have biases and we know that they don't see the world with perfect accuracy as it is, but there's still different ways that we can talk about and structure decisions that help people make better choices.
1: And, you know, sort of, putting pen to paper or rubber to road, how does the advisor like begin that conversation? Or, or how are some ways into that conversation where you're starting to tread lightly through some of these things and not offend the client as they you know, broach these topics?
2: Right, so we did a follow-up study for this, uh, trying to understand what people are looking for in a financial advisor. And the phrasing that we used helps people stay in control of their emotions. We thought maybe that sets people off a little bit. Maybe there's other ways to describe and talk about what behavioral coaching is, at least in part. And so we tried out different phrases. And, for example, we tried out the phrase, uh, helps helps me make financial decisions with a cool head or helps protect my portfolios from excessive emotional reactions. Right.
1: So and those, those did
2: better. better. So we did an experiment, random controlled assignment of different people to different conditions. Some people saw the less appealing phrasing helps people stay in control of their emotions, which, again, scores last place by far. But when you describe the same sort of thing using these other phrases, it it starts to increase its appeal by quite a bit. In fact, it moves to about the middle of the pack. And so I don't think that the ideas around behavioral coaching are intrinsically unappealing to people, but I do think that there's some things we can do in how we describe it and how we talk about it that make it potentially perceived as more valuable by investors.
1: What sort of resources are available for advisors to, to learn about behavioral coaching, to practice behavioral coaching, or even just tools that sort of do some of this for them?
2: Well, that was one of the things we tried to do in this research is not just write a paper that is academic or intellectually interesting, but in the end of it, have some sort of worksheet that advisors can use. And so the thing I've been describing here of this list of attributes is something that we have in a worksheet and can be downloaded so that advisors themselves could have their clients go through this process. And be this able would be to- a
1: conversation you could have with a new client that, that makes sure that you're on the same page and you understand what they're looking for. And That's the
2: hope, is to try and get people on the same page, to try and make sure people's expectations are aligned. And so if clients come in and are talking about goals and behavioral coaching and the power of saving as they try to reach their financial goals, this is great because these are sort of drivers of success. But if people are coming in and talking about maximizing returns and behavioral coaching is near the bottom of the heap, this is a place where I think an advisor then has an opportunity to step in and say, look, some of the things that you're looking for here that I could provide you are not really the most valuable things. So let's talk about what kind of value I can create for you more effectively.
1: Ryan, just taking a bit of a, a side turn here for a minute, can you talk a little bit about the research you've been doing
2: lately? So we've been doing lots of different research, looking at people's preferences, looking at how they think about risk, looking at the sorts of things they look for in an advisor relationship. One of the other pieces of work we've been doing is around what people's goals are. And sometimes people don't even know their overarching financial goals if you ask them, just off the top of their head. It's not the sort of thing people carry around in memory. And so we've been working with some really simple behavioral interventions, developing checklists that people can use just to help them think about this really important question and be able to give more reliable answers to it.
1: Ryan, I know that a lot of the work that you do ends up on our investor success page. If people want to learn more, they can Google Morningstar Investor Success, and that will you know, give you a link to that page. Uh, what is the title of this piece of work that they can read more about if they're interested?
2: Yep. So this piece of research was called The Value of Advice, What Investors Think, What Advisors Think, and How Everyone Can Get on the Same Page. If they fill out a form, and they click this, they'll be able to download it. And it has all those attributes we were talking about and shows all the results we were just discussing.
1: Ryan, it's always a pleasure. Thank you again for uh, joining me today.
2: Yep, my pleasure to be here.
1: For Simple But Not Easy, I'm Drew Carter. Please come back next week for another episode.
0: This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of publication. Such opinions are subject to change. No Morningstar entity, including Morningstar Investment Management and Morningstar Research Services, shall be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the content presented. Morningstar makes no representation as of the completeness or accuracy of the information presented. Has which is then taxed at the investor's individual tax rate and certain distributions being deemed as return of capital. Morningstar and its affiliates, including Morningstar Investment Management, do not provide tax advice. Individuals should consult with their financial advisor and or tax professional about this and other tax issues related to their accounts. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decision.